everybody to another episode of Small Council Radio. So on tonight's episode, we're going to be wrapping up Night's Watch. Uh, this is going to be part two of two, because um, all we have left to talk about are the commanders. We're going to briefly uh, do an overview of the tactics deck, because uh, we did uh, touch on that in the Visions show. Uh, tonight with me, I just have Brett. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, been a little while. It's been a couple Sundays uh, with stuff going on. Hey, buddy. I think you're, Sorry uh, about that. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was I was muted. I've got I've got my nieces over, and I've got Eris here, so I'm kind of trying to manage everything and do the episode. Um, no, I'm doing pretty well. Um, getting back into really playing a little bit more competitively. I kind of took a little bit of a hiatus, but uh, we're getting back into it now. Nice. Yeah, I, as I mentioned, I think a little while ago, I kind of took a hiatus as well, you know, jumping into some Age of Sigmar and uh, some Conquest uh, for, you know, a brief amount of time. And it was a nice little refresher. Not only, you know, just change things up, but it, it helped me appreciate how awesome, you know, Ice and Fire is. Uh, you know, obviously Ice and Fire isn't the best game in every single category, but just overall, maybe just personal preference, it just, um, it's my favorite game by far for, ta- like, a favorite uh, tabletop game. Um, but with that said, uh, we can jump into it. Um, so I wanted to briefly go over the tactics deck, uh, the, the generic tactics deck. So we have Sword in the Darkness. That's the one where if the defender hasn't activated yet, they become panicked and vulnerable. Um, and then it attaches for a plus one attack die. Uh, fire the burns against the cold. Uh, reroll dice from uh, any dice from a panic test attach, you can suffer two wounds, minus one per uh, destroyed rank of yours to remove a token when it uh, when you gain the token, not when it's used. Shield the guards, Rome's men, target defender, they re-roll defense dice, attach, block plus one hit, watcher on the wall, after a friendly unit is attacked, you get a free pivot and then two-inch shift. Um, attach to get plus one move and reroll charge distance. The importance of why it tells you to pivot then shift two rather than a maneuver at two inches is because of ranger hunters, you know, they would be able to trigger their effect if uh, if it gave a maneuver action. Uh, light that brings the dawn. The attacker may reroll misses, attach, and then when attacking an enemy with more remaining ranks, you attack with highest attack die value. Attack, uh, take the black when an enemy unit is destroyed. Target a friendly nice wash and short. They restore four wounds. You may take one infantry attachment from the de- destroyed enemy and attach it to that unit. Uh, and then lastly, and now his watch is ended. Start of any turn. Attach this card to a friendly nice watch unit. While attached, when another friendly nice watch unit is destroyed, you may discard this card if you do. Move one friendly attached tactics card from that unit to this unit. This unit then performs one attack maneuver or march action. So, um, I just wanted to bring up this interaction, uh, Brett, and maybe uh, maybe everyone that I had been talking to had been playing it wrong. But 
So normally, if you have two of the same tactics card attached, they won't, like let's say you have two watchers, you won't get plus two move and, you know, whatnot. Um, and then you obviously can't play the same, you can't play the same trigger tactics card from your hand. But if you play and now his watch is entered on a unit, start of any turn, next, or let's say on your turn, and then your opponent's turn, you play and now his watch is ended on the same unit, then in that uh, in that turn they kill a unit can your unit then make two consecutive free attacks because the tactics cards are no longer um in your hand so you're not competing with you know the two order two tactics card timing that and you're resolving them one by one so you also don't fall under the stacking um part so you would resolve moving a vow or attach card and then get a free attack after resolving that you could then trigger the next and now his watch is ended even though it's on the same unit and then resolve another free attack one after the other is that uh is that right or am i missing something with that interaction hold on i'm sorry i'm not sure i followed it because my my stepdad came to pick my nieces up so uh, what, how, how, is, I know we're talking about now the watch is ended, so just give me yep. the scenario again where you can trigger it twice. So, um, you would obviously play them on two separate turns, let's just say my turn, and let's say I'm facing you, I'll play it on my turn, then on your turn I play it, uh, the second one, both on, let's say, a crossbowman unit, and then you, somewhere else on the battlefield, kill one of my conscripts. I would then trigger and now his watch is ended to move of attach card and then trigger free ranged attack with the crossbowman. Then after resolving and now his watch is ended, I choose to resolve the second and now his watch is ended because uh I'm not playing it from my hand so it doesn't compete with the two you know, playing two taxes cards at the same trigger and also um it's not stacking because they're resolving separately yeah i'm not sure that it's i'm not sure that you're meant to be able to put them both on a unit and resolve them both that way um i think that it i mean at least by intent um it seems pretty clear to me that you would be able to do that because uh as soon as the unit dies, you trigger that effect. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess you're not actively playing it, but um, hey. yeah, that's what I mean. That's why, like, you know, I yeah, could, I, it's, it's not like that big of a deal because you could always just throw it on another unit. But those outlier scenarios where it's like, well, the only unit that I really care to have a free attack is the same, you know, just like this crossbowman unit especially if nothing else is engaged or at the end of the game there's, you know, only a couple units left, then, you know, you might be like, well, you know, if it works, I might as well just throw both on the same unit and then trigger them one after the other because um, by like, yeah, by the rules as written, it actually doesn't conflict with either the playing a, a card from your hand uh, timing and also the stacking because 
you're resolving them separately. Yeah, I, I don't think it works that way, though. Uh, okay. I mean, you can, you can, you can play it that way because you have an argument with rules as written, and I, I don't, I don't really have the time to research it right now and try <laughs> to beat that argument. So we'll just move along for the show. But you're probably not really yeah. going to make many friends if you play it that way. So. Um, <laughs> yep. So I, I mean, think uh, really just one of those. Yep. Just one of those, uh, I guess, you know, for something seeming to look at and just clarify, you know, even if, like, if it was all, always meant to not be played that way, you know, just maybe a, like an Aretta or whatever clarification in FAQ to just uh, lay any any argument to rest. Um, otherwise, uh, as far as the tactics deck, uh kind of mentioned it in the other show. My only real problem with the deck is that it's just really strong with the ability of attaching all these permanent buffs. Um, I've had countless games where units have like five attached cards, like easily, not like something you have to go out of your way to try to do. And when you have that many buffs, uh, your, let's say, seven-point unit is easily an eight, if not nine-point unit at that at that point. Um like, there is not a single bad card or a single card that I'm like, oh, man, I wish I would never have drawn this, other than maybe take the black if it's, like, first couple rounds. Um, and that's only because of not being able to play it yet. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think just the deck itself is just so inherently strong because not only are you getting really good, like, base effects with rerolling defense, rerolling panic... Uh, rerolling dice, you know, especially with all the hindering around it's before in 1.6 that wasn't that big of a deal, but now rerolling attack dice is actually uh, really strong. And uh, and then just the permanent buffs, they just they start to stack up and become well, quite a bit. It's, it's really strong anyway, even without hindering, considered because there's so many uh, negative one to hit. Uh, oh yeah, rerolling. Rerolling dice, whether it be defense dice or attack dice, is uh, positively rerolling dice is a very very strong effect in this edition. Because yep. you, I mean, I'm I'm leaning a lot into the Warrior Sun and Four Fellows right now, and it's for that reason both of them get to expend a fake token and reroll dice, and it gets you through a lot of situations where you would kind of be screwed if you didn't have those rerolls. So for me, it's one of the things that I look yep. for as a powerful ability. Um, yeah, again, that's why I love Warrior Sons, and I think a lot of people are sleeping on them, but they're going to... They are a tough unit, but we'll get into that when we get into Lannisters. Yep. Um, so yeah, I mean, with that said, amazing tactics deck. I think uh, overall, I think just maybe just a little bit over tweaked but my my main concern of the entire deck is just uh the ability to attach as many as you want to the same unit i think that's really you know the the number one complaint and they're no longer called vows if anyone has kind of caught that as radium they're just simply attached cards so they've kind of even though they fundamentally work the same way they no longer have that like keyword. There's no longer any mention of vows or doing anything like that. They're just simply attached cards. 
Um, but with that said, we can jump over to our first commander, which uh, we'll talk about is Donald Noy. So for Donald Noy, he has the Order Shield Wall. When an enemy performs a melee attack on this unit, after rolling defense dice, if this unit is being attacked from the front or flank, it blocks plus one hit for each of its remaining ranks. And he also has improved armaments. While you control the wealth, this unit's melee attack gains thundering and rolls its highest attack die value. Uh, his three cards, first one he has is Lash Out. After an enemy completes a melee attack, if the defender was not destroyed, the attacker suffers two wounds. For each of the defender's destroyed ranks, the defender is down Lanoi, the attacker also becomes panicked. He has refused to yield. After a friendly unit passes the panic test, all enemies engaged with that unit become vulnerable. Attach this card until it fails the panic test. While attached, each time this unit passes the panic test, all enemies engaged with that unit become vulnerable. This card is attached to Donald Noy. Uh, it gains plus one to panic test rolls. And defensive formation. Start of any turn, attach this card to a friendly combat unit until the start of its next act perform attack or charge actions, but gains plus one defense dice rolls, and attackers do not gain charge, flank, or rear bonuses against it. Now, uh, as I was kind of mentioning to you, Brett, overall, I I think the cam uh, commanders are just really strong. Like, I really don't, other than, as we'll talk about in a bit, uh, awful uh, commander, I think the commanders are, like, spot on. I think they're just really strong, solid commanders that don't inherently, like, you know, make Night's Watch. They just, I guess, add to the whole whole uh, ordeal, but you know, if we're just focusing down on the commanders, they're I think they're well designed uh, and you know strong uh, commanders. What do you think about Donald Noy here? Uh, yeah, uh, Donald Noy's strong. Um, I like him. I think he's just a little bit outshadowed by John and Awful, but I mean, definitely he's. He's good. He's got some, he's got solid cards, and uh, I think I think he's very well at home in vets and ranger hunters. Either one, he's plugging in a little bit of the defensive weaknesses of rangers. Uh, he's bolstering the defensiveness of vets, but it's more or less that giving those units thundering. Um, he doesn't have the abilities like Othel to make make it worth sticking him in conscripts. Um, another unit, if you want to dip into the neutral pool, which, I mean, if the vows weren't so damn good, it'd be really tempting, but uh, Blackguard would be a really good place for him as well. Yeah, I agree. Blackguard with, uh, with Shield Wall, and then giving him yeah. uh, Sundering and the Vicious, uh, if you have yeah, the Wealth. I just think he's really good, and his cards are strong, and in a lot of armies, he would be taken. I, I think the hiccup right now is that there's two commanders that really, 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 really play into the strength of probably the two strongest Night's Watch units that, you know, everybody's wanting to exploit. That's Ranger Hunters and Crossbows, and Othel is perfect for Crossbows and John. Commander is perfect for Ranger Hunter, so you've got your 1-2 list right there. You've got a melee kind of focused list with the hit-and-run tactics of the Ranger Hunter. So that base is covered, and then you've got your ranged list 
you know, to deal with anything that can't just that that can't get across the board and, and do anything about it. Uh, and that's probably your primary list. And then it's backed up by the Rangers uh, to deal with things like poor fellow spam, Raiders spam, anything like that that just puts down too many wounds for the crossbows to deal with. But the crossbows are your elite busters because they'll they'll shred. If you put 48 wounds on the table against the double crossbow list, you just you might as well just <laughs> call the game. Just stick their hand yep. right now. It's just not going to work. So I well, think that I mean, a little bit of a problem. It's fine for a faction to be designed strong and have answers, but I think that's kind of the problem. They, they just have that perfect one-two punch. And I think uh, until we see any errata or any change, I think in serious competition in in events where people really want to win, it's going to be that John Awful pairing. Either that or it's going to be Awful, Awful, and it's going to be two war machine lists. Or excuse me, it's going to be a double crossbow list and a war machine list. Yep. So maybe you know maybe this one's um, kind of the obvious uh, like straightforward approach, but I was almost even thinking just throw. Just throw Donald Noy in some vets um, because giving giving him that sundering kind of gives them that bite that they need uh, and then highest attack die value. And then uh, with his defensive formation, especially if you're playing, let's say, uh, um, wins a winter and you, you, know, you need to control the center objective, you throw him and vets on the center objective and play defensive formation, I mean, good luck moving that unit. Uh, I mean, he's he's just a nice mix of like defensiveness that you kind of need. You know, all three of his cards are a nice uh, mixture between uh, triggers, and uh, you know he he's fairly versatile um, uh, with not only his taxes cards but the abilities he provides. Um, with that said, we can jump over to, let's see, we'll talk about Alistair Thorne. Uh, he has Vicious, so the unit that he gets put in will get Vicious, and then Prey on Fear. Uh, each time the enemy engages with this unit fails panic test, the unit restores two wounds. Um, he has Pathetic Attempt. When a friendly unit passes a panic test from being attacked by a melee attack, target the attacker. They suffer two hits for each remaining rank in this unit. If the defender was Alistair's unit, they also become weakened. Seeing their flaws, after an enemy combat unit completes an action, that enemy becomes vulnerable and panicked, attaches the card to the enemy until the end of the round. While attached, while Alistair Thorne's unit is attacking that enemy, the enemy loses all abilities and cannot be targeted by friendly tactics cards. And price of failure. When a friendly unit is performing a melee attack before rolling attack dice, all attack dice roll hit, rolls hit for this attack for each roll that would have missed. The attacker suffers one wound. So something I want to point out with him is that I think he is easily the weakest for his uh, base abilities on his attachment. But uh, uh, seeing their flaws, I mean, losing all abilities is so strong. I mean, granted, it's very situational. It has to be simply you attacking an enemy, so it's only defensive abilities, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but still, I mean, you you know, you're running into that problem 
uh, Stagnite, you know, Elden and Stagnites or something, you know, seeing their flaws could, you know, throwing a Panic Vulnerable on them uh, and then have Alistair with his Vicious and, you know, in, let's say, Ranger Hunters or something, and now now you're, uh, you know, you have a chance of actually putting a dent in the unit. Um, Price of Failure also... Uh, very, I think, very undervalued card, especially with, like you were saying, Brett, uh, things uh, having minuses to hit. You know, granted, you could be, you know, uh, giving yourself a bunch of wounds in return, but, um, you know, it would have to come down to the situation. But I've found that playing Price of Failure with, uh, with, the mountain commander in Lannisters has just been invaluable uh, in the right circumstance. You just have to kind of wait for that that moment to uh, uh, you know appear. Pathetic attempt. I think it's nice. I think it's a strong card, um, but it's nothing that like you know to write home about. What do you think about Alistair here? I I think again um, he's good. Um, I think in most factions he'd be kind of a, a go-to guy, um, but he's yeah just same same as uh, same as poor um, Donald Noy, um, just a little bit outshined by by John and by um, Oppel, honestly. Um, yeah, but I mean his cards are strong, um, and as you mentioned. I was having a discussion with uh, some guys on Discord, and uh, Alistair is one of the very few ways for a unit to lose abilities for the round. Um, they've all but done away for, for with that hard control kind of element there. And uh, you mentioned that it's defensive abilities, but I think, I mean, yeah, shutting off something offensive is nice when it's like pyromancers or something like that. Um, but... Uh, for the most part, it's those defensive abilities that are really uh, giving issues, uh, especially hardened. Uh, I think hardened being the best keyword in the game at the moment. Um, so being able to shut that off while Alistair's attacking them, if Alistair's in a unit of Sworn Brothers or uh, something like that, it's, he's going to make pretty short work of them because those units, pay a premium for that hardened ability, uh, whether it's the commander or whether it's just their, their price tag. Um, and as far as I know, Warrior Sons kind of have hardened. Uh, it's not called hardened, but the faith token does what hardened does. But other than that, uh, it's only Elden and uh, Othel that have hardened, right? I think so, yeah. No one else yeah. <laughs> Unless you run uh um Starks have uh the Mormont vet for one point. Ah, yes, yes, of course, yes, of course, yeah. And that's hardened on demand, but nobody's really <laughs> doing too much about Starks at the moment because they're not really winning a whole bunch of games. So I think it's the biggest defender that's gonna come to mind for everybody is uh Oppel because I think you're seeing so many awful lists right now and they're they're realizing just how good hardened is and i kind of pointed that out right when the version first came out you know before i was really playing a lot with the community and i was like yeah hardened's the best ability in the game so i still stand by that it's just so strong 
Yeah, it's hardened. I'm going to throw it out there. I think hardened just needs to be in order. Um, I think it's super strong, but my problem is, you know, I've had a couple situations now where I've had uh, three units on on the enemy, one in the rear, one in the flank, one in the front, and I'm just attacking, attacking, and it's just it's going nowhere just because at, at a certain point you're just blocking so many hits every single attack from every direction that it just you can't do enough damage a lot of times if you're weak yourself. For example, my three units were down to two ranks and so with things going to four ups to hit and you know you're having about uh six dice or so five or six depending on the unit i mean you just can't get enough dice to hit to really eat through harden but if it was an order it'd still be really strong but at least if you're attacking the unit multiple times you can get through that uh all those blocks um, so I kind of agree with you, uh, you know, that's why I kind of went with, uh, Alistair and Donald first, you know, they're kind of the bottom for me. Um, I think they both have merit and they're both really good, but when you compare them to, uh, the other three, cause for me, um, Jorah is right in the middle of the pack, but I think Jorah is really strong. So he's the next one we're going to talk about. Um, so for Jorah, he gives uh, Dauntless, so every time you pass Morale Test, he'll wound. And then Embolden, friendly units in short range gain plus one Morale Test rolls. So Night's Watch, across the board, basically have a five-up Morale. Him giving Embolden is just, you know, uh, icing on the cake. You know, four-up Morale to arguably three of your units for most of the game while constantly healing the unit he's in. Super strong. Uh his uh tax cards he has night gathers start of a front uh, start of any turn target one friendly engaged night's watch unit that unit performs one morale test on uh, success attaches the card to them to the end of the game while attached each time an enemy is performing a melee attack on this unit before rolling attack dice the attacker suffers one hit for each remaining rank in the unit live and die at my post when a friendly unit passes a morale test all enemies engaged with that unit become vulnerable if this targeted a Night's Watch unit, attach this card to that unit until the end of the game. While attached, this unit cannot lose its last wound from filling a panic test. It can only be reduced to one remaining wound. And then, and now it, my watch begins. When a friendly Night's Watch combat unit activates, that unit performs one morale test, and on success, choose one. You can either search your tactics deck for any one tactics card and add it to your hand, and then discard one card, shuffle your tactics deck, or search your tactics deck for a or discard pile for any one tactics card that can be attached to this unit, and attach it to the unit, shuffle your tactics deck. So I absolutely love his three cards. I know they have the caveat of, uh, you know, passing a panic test for all three of them, one being the trigger is the pass the morale. The other two is making your units perform a panic test, but I mean, you should be on a five up, possibly a four up, so that shouldn't be a problem. It's almost, you know, I have yet to have it not uh, pass. Um, I'm sure, you know, you're going to eventually have one or two here or there not, uh, not pass, but I mean, Night Gathers, um, 
three hits if you're at full, uh, is, you know, before they attack could mean the difference between a rank, uh, losing some dice. Um, live and die at my post. I've had that uh, be very useful. Um, not being able to die from anything but a, or not being able to die from a panic test is really useful. And then, and now my watch begins. You know, I love using this card to just go get uh, tax cards from my discard pile, especially if I'm facing a counterplot and they counterplotted one of my super useful, uh, you know, attached cards that now had to go to the discard pile. Being able to use this to go get it and attach it anyways. Um, I've never used it for uh, searching the deck for a card because I just don't want to discard a card. The, uh, the tactics deck is just too good for me to want to get rid of a card unless, you know, I happen to draw into um, the take the black uh, right away and, you know, I don't see anything dying anytime soon. But yeah, overall, I love Jorah. Um, I would say... Personally, he's my favorite to play as Night's Watch, but I would put him right in the middle of the pack for the five commander options. Uh, what do you think, Brett? Uh, I think Jor's biggest, what's going to make him suffer the most as far as being used is that his NCU is just so good. So if you're running him as your commander, you can't take him as your NCU, and his NCU is just so crucial in a lot of these builds. Um, he's going and getting you for the watch if you're playing Jon Snow. He's going and getting you uh, honed enhancement or uh, serrated enhancement if you're playing Jor, or I mean if you're playing Oppel. He's getting you now his watch has ended. He's getting you, I mean, it's literally whatever card you need. Um, I know that we remember when Sansa could tutor a card whenever she wanted. Uh, this isn't quite the same thing because what you could do with Sansa was really pretty crazy. Um, but we won't talk about additions of the past. Um, it's just really strong being able to go get whatever attached card you need in that situation. So I think a lot of people have realized that, and now Jor appears as an NCU in, in a lot of uh, especially competitive Nightwatch lists. So... I mean, that is going to make him appear less than what he deserves to. Um, I think the exception is if you're playing a lot of Lannisters in your meta or you're just struggling with Lannisters in general, uh, Jor is like a perfect counter to Lannisters because I found for the most part playing as Lannisters that the panic tests are doing most of my heavy lifting. So uh, being that Jor is very anti-panic, uh, he has got a very strong place. Uh, if you're playing a lot of Lannisters. Yeah, and, you know, like you said, uh, not being able to run Jorah um, NCU is big. Uh, that's kind of how I've been feeling when I want to run a an awful Yarwick list. I, awful NCU is just insanely powerful that I find myself, I find it hard for me to want to run Yarwick Commander because even though Yarwood Commander is so powerful, his NCU is just so good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Jorah has his place, especially like you're saying, if your meta, uh, like your local meta, is very big into panic, um, 
I mean, going to, you know, making basically your army of four a bubble, or even just uh, if you want to run some conscripts and run them near Jorah to make them a six-up morale, I mean, that's even something that can really make make them a lot more survivable. I mean, they're already kind of hefty with their um, being able to heal other units, now with that six up, you're really helping to, you know, ensure that they they don't fail that panic so often for that extra wound. Um, so, but yeah, I I like Jorah, um, but that's just kind of like personal preference. I know uh, a lot could probably argue that he's right on par with Donald and uh, Alistair. So um, next up, we're going to talk about Athel Yarwick. So Alpha Yarrick has Hardened, the Builder Affiliation, and Spotter. So Hardened, uh, for those that don't already know, it's uh, block one and then additional for every destroyed rank. So you're blocking one initially, uh, and you could be blocking up to three uh, if you're at last rank. Uh, And then Spotter is one attacking enemies in the long range of this unit. Friendly War Machines may reroll any attack dice. The important part for that one, I think, is just the unlimited range effects. Um, you know, being able to reroll like the Scorpion who needs to hit on a six. You know, two dice on a six, rerolling. I mean, you have a pretty decent shot of getting at least one of them. Um, so, you know, I think awful. Uh, you know, pretty decent effects. That and turning his own unit into a builder unit, which we'll see here with his attached cards, uh, gives some pretty nice buffs. Start of a friendly turn, attach this card. Uh, serrated enhancement is start of a friendly turn, attach this card to a friendly combat unit until the end of the game. While attached, and while you control the wealth, this unit's attacks gain vicious. While attached, if the attacker is a builder unit, enemies that fail panic tests from this attack become weakened. And then rapid construction, start of the round. Place one low wall terrain with the destructible fortified and hindering keywords within one inch of a friendly unit. This terrain cannot overlap units or other terrain. And honed enhancement. Start of a friendly turn, target one friendly combat unit, attach this card to the end of the game. While attached and while you control the wall, this unit's attack gains plus one to hit. And while attached, if it's a builder unit, they gain plus one attack die. So, um, some of the combos with him can kind of get pretty crazy. Uh, I'm just going to touch on the rapid construction before I go to you, Brett. But, you know, being able to, at the start of a round, throw a low wall uh, in front of your unit is huge. Um, Being able to get plus one save and uh, no rerolls if they want to charge you is big. I mean, that's better than, in my opinion, than a card that's just like, okay, play and get plus one defense save or whatnot, um, you know, because this is something that can stick around for for a while uh, for, until they destroy it. Granted, it's only going to work when they charge through it, but, you know, let's say they have to retreat or you retreat, um, and then now in order to recharge you, because uh, you, can, you can march past, or not like completely past, but you can march just enough beyond an objective that way, when they uh, start a round, you place it, they charge you over it. Then you use uh, the free maneuver 
retreat just one inch. Now you're still on the objective, you're disengaged. Anything that's not in your flanks can't charge you, and if they want to recharge you, they're going to have to go over that piece again. Um, and then even if they do it, let's say you march just uh, like so much past the objective, you can then use your actual activation and then just retreat again. And with Harden and uh, Shield to guard Zerone's men, you could pretty much be making sure they do minimal to like nearly no damage. Um, so, but with that aside, uh, Brett, why don't you uh, kind of give us some of the crazy combos that can go on with Yarokir and his uh, honed enhancement and honed, uh, um, honed, oh, and serrated enhancement. Yeah, honed and serrated. Those are the two bigger ones. Um, so generally, as I kind of alluded to, what what you see in the competitive meta is. Uh, either oppo war machine lists or oppo lists with uh, double crossbows with watch captain uh, and those lists are backed up by conscripts uh, just for the healing and uh, what, what ends up happening is you, you're running Jor NCU which almost every competitive list has Jor so that he can go, go grab uh, one of the strong cards out of the out of the tactics deck immediately and, and attach it. So um, they're normally running Peter Baelish as well. Uh, Peter Baelish works really, really well in a ranged army because you're able to, a lot of times, you are uh, ready to attack at the end of the round, uh, and they might not be at the end of round one, and they might not be ready to start uh, attacking in round two. So Peter Baelish, you put him on the money bag in particular in this build, which kind of sets off all of your builder or your builder cards, yeah. And then you're taking a free attack and your opponent has to respond by taking the swords himself or he's going to get attacked again. So um, that's one of the combinations, but more or less it's just getting plus one to hit on those crossbows uh, in conjunction with the plus one attack dice because they are a builder's unit and um, you end up with uh, if they've got the watch captain, which most of them are running double bows with watch captain, uh, you're, you, you have expos that are hitting on twos with eight dice, and if they're in short range, they get rerolls. And I mean, at, at that point, eight dice on twos with rerolls, uh, they're next to impossible to miss. <laughs> and so you're dealing with eight thundering hits every single time they attack, and with Peter Baelish and um, the watch captains, you're normally seeing four to five attacks per round from just the crossbows, and then that's without considering now his watch has ended, and it just gets really, really crazy. Yep. And uh, uh, the war, you know, you know, he's giving he's giving the stone thrower three shots that hit on a three plus. Again, you know, uh, three shots hitting on a three plus are just about guaranteed to hit with that stone thrower. It mitigates any downside that the stone thrower has, um, you know, and it's just things like this. They, they, those cards just pair so well with those range units, which is what you would want to be bringing if you're running an awful list anyway. So it just gets really out of hand really fast. Yeah, and even, um, you know, the Scorpion, uh, as I was mentioning with, you know, sixes on rerolls, you attach the car. Uh, enhancement to them and now fives with re-rolls uh 
I mean, it's not guaranteed, but you have you actually have a really good shot of of hitting with it now um, almost every time. Because uh, two dice on fives with three rolls, I mean, you're bound to get one. You know, it can kind of get, or sorry, three shots because you get the plus one die. Um, you know, so now you have three dice hitting on fives with three rolls. Uh, it with the spotter. I mean, there's just, he adds so much uh, offensive potential while being a very defensive uh, attachment himself. I mean, it can, like you were saying with the crossbow, it can kind of get crazy. Um, and as you were talking about Peter, you know, it just brings up that personally, I think Peter is so amazingly good. I would still run him at five points. I think he is 2021. If you're not running a, a ranged unit, you're really at a disadvantage. Um, I would say that you would still want one ranged and one um, cavalry or fast moving uh, unit. But I would say range units more important than the cavalry. Not saying that you know cavalry is not important, but the the strength of knowing your opponent has no ranged and you have one, and if you win the dice off and you can you can force your opponent to go first. That way, you can uh, take Peter on the wealth free attack and your opponent can't do anything but waste an NCU to block the attack, otherwise your unit's shooting three times uh, or more if you have a watch captain, uh, it can get pretty crazy. Not only that, Peter has the once per game uh, at the start of any turn, you can select a zone and count as controlling it for the round. So on the turn where you can't get that wealth, like a key turn, um, you can count as having it for your uh, your attach cards. So... Um, and like you're saying, Jorah, again, amazing being able to just go right for the answers you need. Um, so super strong, uh, tough list. I mean, I've played uh, with it a couple times, and I just feel bad every time I play play uh, Awful because it's just insanely strong. Um, the double crossbow with captains, I mean... Uh, I don't even play that combo anymore because of how unfun it is for my opponent. Uh, you know, I'll still run crossbow, but I'll I'll try other combos. Like I'll throw brawn in there. That way, um, I you know I can give him a free attack or something if I take the wealth uh, with motivated by coin um, or whatnot. But I avoid the the crossbow captain combo just because of how strong it is. Um, and awful just compounds that, uh, you know, into something insanely powerful. Um, with that said, we can go on to our last uh, commander here. We have Jon Snow. Uh, he comes with Boldness and Courage. That's the uh, attack you get. You count as one more rank. Um, and if you're already at full rank, you get plus one attack die. This is for ranged and melee. He has Rally Cry each for melee attacks each time this unit performs a melee attack before rolling attack dice that target one other friendly unit in the long range. It restores two wounds. Uh, and then his cards are, he has It Shall End Until My Death when a friendly combat unit would be destroyed by a melee attack before, resolve, uh, or sorry, before being removed. 
that unit performs one melee attack action using its lowest attack die value on the attacker. If this targets Jon Snow's unit, it gains plus two attack dice. If this attack destroys the defender, your friendly unit is not destroyed, but instead remains in play with one wound. Stand United Brothers, start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit, remove up to four models total from other friendly combat units in long range, restore that many wounds to this unit. If targeting Jon Snow's unit, it may restore two additional wounds. And for the watch, start of any turn, target one friendly combat unit, may reroll any charge to assist dice this turn. If targeted a Night's Watch unit, attached to the end of the game, while attached, each time this unit is targeted by the combat or the maneuver zone, you may replace that zone's effect with this unit performs one charge action. So I want to say John is amazingly strong. Uh, I love running uh, Amon with him because and Conscripts because between Amon and Conscripts and Stand United Brothers and Rally Cry, you just have so much healing, it's insane. Uh, I mean, if you thought, like, the healing before for uh, Night's Watch was bad, <laughs> uh, the healing now, if you run those elements, is just insanely strong. And if you run it, uh, like I have my list here, uh, more, I, I would say, more on the elite side, because I, I have three NCUs, I mean, you can run Peter to try to uh, trigger the wealth zone multiple times, or run Walder to trigger either a free attack but or more healing. Um, Tycho, if you just really want to compound on that uh, on that healing. But, yeah, it, his amount of healing is insane. And then not to mention um, the for the watch, you know, it was bad enough when, you know, you had, like, a unit that, could take a zone and charge with it. Now having potentially two units have this card, you know, have two different units attached with this card, and then now you can, you're almost guaranteed to get a charge with that unit because your opponent can only block one of them. And now they have to at least block one of them if you have both attached because the last thing your opponent is going to want is for you to charge with two different units for free. Uh, if they take both the maneuver for one unit and then the combat for another, or vice versa. And then it shall not end. I just wanted to point out one uh, thing here is that it tells you attack with the lowest attack die value. Just remember in the rule book it does say that if you have attack at lowest attack die and at highest attack die, you go with the lowest. Uh, so in this case, you won't be able to combine it with, uh, was it the light? that brings the dawn uh, that would allow you to attack at highest if you're attacking something with more ranks, um, which I'm assuming you count as zero ranks because, uh, or no, it says before being removed, so I'm assuming you still have quote-unquote one wound. Is that right, Brett? Uh, I mean, it, it would be destroyed, so I guess... Um, I guess you would count as having zero rest, I think. But it doesn't matter because you're attacking. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But, 
So you attack at your lowest attack die value. So even though John does have boldness and courage for counting as one more rank, um, you still would attack at, let's say, Ranger Hunters, because that would be a, an obvious choice for John Snow. Um, it would be four dice, but he would give the plus two. Any other pluses, though, would apply. So Sword in the Darkness would give you an extra one. So you could have uh, four plus the two plus the one, so seven could have more in other ways half hand or a marshal but uh yeah super strong uh commander personally i find him the strongest and that's only because you know i like you know running him with uh um jora and you know Othel and cu but uh i think that's just at that point it's just a personal uh, preference, you know, Othel is definitely a very strong commander. Um, not to mention, you know, being able to take Ghost at three points, though with that said, Ghost is awesome, especially at three points, but Conscripts for one more point, I mean, I I would just pay the one more point uh, for Conscripts in my opinion, but it's still an option there, you know, three point uh, since you're not paying anything for John. Um, what do you think about John? Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, I, I think he's he's very, very strong. Um, I think he and Oppel are the two strongest. I think that's what you're mostly going to see in competitive events. Um, if I wanted to play Night's Watch competitive, competitively right now, that's exactly what I would be bringing. Um, I think John is your kind of melee-focused. But, I mean, don't get it wrong, Oppel doesn't have to be uh, an all-ranged army um, in all war machines. He can do some serious business with uh, his um, cards on units like Sworn Brothers or units like Ranger Hunters or units like uh, even Veterans, you know, getting the plus one to hit and getting vicious, uh, throwing down stakes. Uh, they're just so strong. But I view John as being, you know, he's going to be your go-to when you want to do a melee uh, game, or you think you're going to need a lot of healing, you're facing something like Mother of Dragons or something like this. Um, just two different strengths, but I, I see John as very, very, very strong myself. Um, and as you mentioned with Rally Cry, you know, you can give that unit a uh, sudden charge effectively. Uh, they're getting a free charge action, then they can make their activation and attack. You can just use Rally Cry to heal up the conscripts who are then healing at whatever number they take plus one and it's like you're spreading that healing around so much throughout that army it's it's you just don't know what to kill do you kill the do you kill the unit that's killing you or do you kill the unit that's keeping the unit that's killing you alive you know and it's, it's really really tough and i've had to face this uh night watch builds with uh conscripts and it's really really frustrating because you will want to get rid of the conscripts but at the same time, you know, the Sworn Brothers or whatever else is just beating the crap out of you while you go try to kill conscripts. Uh, it's really tough. Yeah, there really, I don't think, is any right answer. Uh, I think it all comes down to the situation. You know, it, it's it's not like a simple, you know, just go for the conscripts or ignore them. Um, it really just comes down to if the opportunity presents itself that you can kind of get in there and wipe a unit of conscripts pretty easy and just be done with them, then, you know, do that. But 
you know, being bogged down by the conscripts can be just as bad as then letting the the powerhouse units run wild. So, and then another important thing to note with John, you know, because Rally Cry is not in order, you know, running things like uh, in my list here, I have uh, Peter and Walder, you know, um, Peter allowing me to uh, take the wealth uh, and then, or whatever zone, and then trigger the attack, and then Amon to trigger the attack, and then at the end of the round, Walder to trigger another attack. I mean, you could be getting like eight wounds from John on some rounds, uh, depending on what's going on. Um, you know, in most cases, you know, you're, you're, you're going to probably get six. I mean, this is a, assuming your opponent only has two NCUs, um, but personally, I don't run Walder as a third NCU unless we're doing like a two-list format because I don't want to run the risk of facing an opponent with three NCUs as well. But, um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, John's amazing. And then as you were mentioning, uh, kind of jump back over to Othel. I mean, even running Othel in some Sworn Brothers, you know, and then attaching his card to them because he makes them a builder unit, I mean, you could be having eight dice hitting on twos, uh with rerolls and vulnerable and sundering. I mean, <laughs> you can, you know, you can't one-shot a unit with that, but, I mean, if you've done any damage to that unit prior, I mean, they're probably a dead unit at that point uh, after that. Um, but, yeah, I think overall, uh, the commanders, like I was mentioning, super strong, very competitive. Uh, I think... Othel, just because of some of his combo potential with his cards, is what kind of makes him a little over the top. Uh, but the rest of them are just, like, really, really strong commanders, um, especially John. But overall, with all the problems that we've kind of been mentioning throughout, you know, the two shows, uh, you know, I would say the commanders are not a big part of it. Um so, with that said, uh, we're, we got through all the stuff, and I guess this is going to be a little bit uh, shorter of a show, so we'll just end it off by kind of giving our final thoughts of the entirety of the, f uh, the faction. Um, Brett, I'll let you kind of go first and see what your opinion of Night's Watch is at the moment. They're, they're really strong. Um, they kind of just do everything, which is, which is what they were designed to do. So you can't really complain about that because that's, I mean, that's kind of always been their thing. They've, they've always been the elite faction. They were just kind of a little bit behind the eight ball the last edition because, uh, you know, known free folk hater, but you have things like Steyer, NCU, who literally just took everything that they did and just negated it. You had dragons who just negated it. Um, you know, and so they needed a little bit of something to shine and really function as that elite faction. Um, at the moment, maybe maybe a little bit too far. Um, I think if they just do something to the builder crossbowman, it's, it's really a step in the right direction. Um, I'm not sure what they need to do, but they just fit in so well at 10 points with that watch captain. They just plug a gap in every single list. They're just good. In every single list, there's just there's no list where they're not great, you know, no nice watch list where they're not great, and they just plug in 
their two pseudo activations and they're just doing so much damage and then they kind of soften stuff up and then the other heavy hitters just come in and, and kind of finish them off. So it's really, really, really tough. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've just got high morale. They've got cards that help with that morale. It's hard to get tokens on them because of the fire that burns against the cold. They're just really, 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 really tough. Um, and as far as how you beat them, um, I don't know. I'm playing Lannisters right now. How you reliably beat them. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing people are having some decent success with Red Cloak um, just because they're just incredibly strong as well. But um, I think that Red Cloaks are probably doing so well because they can get at the conscripts with that panic damage and get rid of the conscripts. Once you get rid of the conscripts, especially in that double crossbow build, uh, you can really take the wind out of the sails of that build. But the big problem with that double crossbow build is that <laughs> the crossbows are harder to kill than you think. Like, you're like, well, it's fine. I'm going to get shelled, but, you know, I'll get across the crossbows, and then once I finally get them in combat, like, they'll die. But that's not at all how it works. Um, a lot of times they will beat you in melee as well because um, Othel's cards take the, even their, their melee attack profile and turns it up so high. Um, I distinctly, I remember I was playing a game against uh, Steve. The uh, He's on, like, on the table gaming. I think he appears in a lot of places. He's a really friendly guy, Steve Hamill. And uh, I charged his crossbows in the flank with a dragon and I was like yeah I got you <laughs> and I did uh, because of honed enhancement um, allowing him to hit on threes with his melee attack he just killed me with melee like I charged him with a dragon that was fully healthy I did a bunch of damage I hit him in the flank he just healed it up with conscripts and then he didn't even retreat and shoot me he just straight up beat me in melee so it's it's just crazy that that can happen. Um, you don't expect a ranged unit to, you know, survive very long uh, once they're in combat. Um, I've made some things happen, you know, in, in 1.6 with the Stark deck, and I was running Stark Bowman, and there were some times that I would sudden charge the Stark Bowman just to make things happen, but it, it was a very rare circumstance, and it was not something that you would expect, but I'm not the only one who's had who's had my melee unit get the crap beaten out of it by uh, crossbows in melee. So uh, I guess my advice is you've got to deal with the conscripts. Um, if you don't, they'll just forever heal whatever unit you're grinding on. Um, and especially if it's Offal's unit, him having hardened, you're just not going to kill it. You're, you're not. You're, you're wasting your time uh, with Harden trying to get through them because the conscripts are just going to make them whole again, and then you're basically just starting all over. So I guess that's my advice for now is uh, try to get rid of the con conscripts, cut off the healing supply, and then start to try to wear them down. I mean, they'll die eventually, I guess. Yeah, I would say if you're if you're looking for kind of advice to face nice watch, there really is no like one sure answer. There's just a 
a handful of pieces that just kind of help you. Um, so we'll we'll have to see how things kind of shape up. I would say, you know, we're definitely at once we kind of get through all the factions, we're going to start a series of going back through each faction, and these will only be one episode each, but we'll kind of give, you know. Uh, tips and tricks on how to deal with the factions, and Night's Watch will probably be the first one we we uh, we do, just because you know they're the you know the faction that everyone's talking about at the moment. But when we get to that show, we'll we'll talk about more in depth on how to kind of deal with them. Um, but I would say my overall thoughts: Night's Watch definitely need to be reworked. Uh, my opinion, it's a combination of um, the tactics deck, the tactics deck being, you know, just being all these attached cards that are permanent buffs, I think is just too strong. I think you either need to somehow just rework it or you need to have a cap, but I don't know how you have a cap because they got rid of the you know, vow mechanic, and now that they're just simply attached cards, I don't know how you kind of um, fix that. But one, you know, if they just change it back to being, you know, quote unquote, the keyword vow, you know, one suggestion I gave in the last show was, you know, limit it to one per unit, uh, plus one for every attachment in the unit. So, and then you could even change the Night's Watch Captain, or sorry, the um, the Watch Captain to be something different altogether because we found that he's kind of, you know, he's problems problemsome in the sense that he just makes crossmen, crossbowmen way too effective. But Night's Watch having access to a, a three-point activation, essentially. I know it's like a pseudo-activation because if you kill the unit, you get two units taken away. But I still don't like an elite army having access to anything that cheap. Uh, so I would simply just change... You could kind of get two birds with one stone by changing Watch Captain to be like one point and do something cool... Uh, it could just even be boldness and courage, which I think is an amazing uh, attachment for one point. And then even just add the stipulation that on the back of the card, it ignores attachment restrictions. So that way, if you change it to where you can only have one attached card per unit and one for every plus one for every attachment, you could, you know, let's say you have your commander in a unit for free. So now that unit can have two, and then you throw a watch captain in there for one point and give them that awesome boldness and courage. Now you can have three. And three, I think, is still a very, you know, healthy or not, you know, a really strong uh, amount of attached cards on one unit. Um, it allows, it, it makes you have to actually spread the wealth around rather than just compounding attached card and attached card and attached card onto one unit. Um, but also, um, as we were mentioning, you know, there labeled as the elite faction, but when you have a watch marshal, uh, conscripts, a, uh, you have ghost, which I'm fine with ghost being three points because he's unique. He's a one of, but, uh, it's just, when you have those three and a watch captain at three points for a pseudo, uh, activation, I mean, 
I have yet to face an army that had more activations than my Night's Watch unless it was Greyjoys or Free Folk, and they only had one more activation than me. And um, they've already come out and said that their attachments are going to be more powerful. Uh, so let's say a one-point attachment in Baratheons, uh, the same attachment moved over to Night's Watch is essentially a one-and-a-half-point attachment is the example they gave. Well, they didn't say Baratheons, but they said another fa- uh, another faction uh, equivalent. So, But and that was supposed to be because the, you're paying more for the units and because it's an elite army that if you invest more into them, you get more out of it to kind of balance it out. But the problem was is that they it decreased 10-point unit to 8-point unit, two 8-point units to 7-point unit, a 7-point unit to a 5-point unit, and only increased one 6-point unit to a 7-point unit. Now their point cost is on par to what um, Starks were in 1.6 because Starks just were flooded with 7-point units. Um, so I think in order to also help with that is one – uh, get rid of the whole attachment being more powerful in Night's Watch to try to combat that and change uh, conscripts to be five points, but give them adaptive. That way you're still, quote-unquote, paying four points for them, but you are you have to invest a minimum of five points, much in the way that you have to do with Raiders because uh, that was kind of the problem with you know Raiders is that you just ran them base and then you just ran a ton of them in order to boost your activation limit. Now, you can still get a strong unit in conscripts uh, while having a higher limit of investment. Um, you know, And I would take away how they heal D3 plus 1. You're already taking a 4-point unit of 5 if you change it and healing up a 7 or 8-point unit. You... It should just be a one-for-one, much in the way, you know, because much in the way that, like, regroup and reform or raiding call uh, for Free Folk and Greyjoys is just a one-for-one. I mean, there's no reason that you should be getting additional going from a weaker unit to a stronger unit. Um, But those are all kind of my complaints. Um, It would be much different if they wanted to uh, just go on and say, you know, we don't care about Night's Watch being the elite faction anymore, then that would be different. You'd still have to rework some things, but then it wouldn't, it wouldn't make, uh, it would make a lot more sense if they let them keep cheaper activations and this and that, but then they would have to kind of tone down a lot of stuff. I think Ranger, I think things in general that can charge shoot or sh- shoot charge, uh, are problemsome. I think, uh, it's just too powerful, uh, just for just for just about anything. Like Ranger Hunters, I mean, it's a seven-point investment to do that. Bastard Girls, seven-point investment to do that. Uh, Spare Wives, five-point investment to do that. Um, you know, you have the Dothraki Veterans, which some could argue that are eight points to do it. But still, I I don't like this whole double. It just it allows for too much swing from one activation before your opponent has any way to really answer. Um, So those are all my complaints kind of in a nutshell, kind of rambling on, but I kind of wanted to make this my last piece of it and then just kind of, you know, 
there's been so much like negativity going around about Night's Watch and like I've always said, I have faith in Simon that they will do what they believe is right and they will they'll look at it and they'll wait for the data to come in before making any rash decisions. Um and I just kinda wanted to say my piece and from this point on we'll just kinda you know, we'll leave it as is and just kinda move forward from here and the next however many episodes when we talk about the other factions, we'll, you know, we'll just try to keep it, keep it to those factions and, you know, um, put this conversation to rest until, until we've kind of heard something from CMON or, you know, see what, uh, where, uh, the future has for, uh, the Night's Watch here. Um, but with that said, uh, you know, it's nice to kind of get through one of these shows a little earlier. So I'm going to do, uh, couple quick shout outs which we haven't been able to do the last uh, however many episodes because they've all ran for like two hours each um so i want to shout out sunday slaughter amazing podcast amazing battle reports uh just amazing uh guy you know chris tran and uh his uh co-host uh charles you know definitely highly recommend their content if you have not checked it out already definitely go check them out on youtube um they have a discord uh that you can join and uh kind of give your thoughts on there definitely and you know we don't have a patreon uh so if you're looking to support uh, a content creator uh sunday slaughter has a patreon so i would say go check out their content if you love uh any of their content definitely uh consider um you know uh, supporting them if you are able to do so, uh, you know, financially, because uh, definitely a great place to, um, you know, support uh, a content creator. Uh, with that said, uh, Brett, do you have any uh, quick shout-outs or events or anything like that, whether it be uh, in person or TTS or anything like that? Uh, you know, uh, the Three Sales League is going on, so um, a lot of guys are streaming matches. Some guys are trying to get their content creation break and start building up some traffic. So you might just kind of, uh, even if you're not in the three sales league, maybe join the channel so that you can see when some games are being played and uh, streamed. And it's always nice to give um, a content creator that break, you know. So um, check out the streams, check out some games. Um, George is great for the community, so support him if you can. Um, and, but definitely, if you want to see a lot of these really competitive matches happening, uh, that's a place to go. So um, other than that, you know, of course, support your local game store and, uh, you know, just uh, get out there and play some games. Um, if you're not signed up for stats, uh, it's kind of a new new format to the page, but they're really wanting to uh, collect this data and uh, start seeing uh, any trends in the meta, and they're still offering that free kind of list advice, and it's still a really good place to go and check out, you know, what lists they're winning, what people are running, um, get some other people's ideas of what works, and kind of mix it with your own and go from there. But uh, you know, it's definitely always good to support them because they they do a lot in the stats department and they don't get paid anything. So um, definitely if you can, uh, especially if you're playing on TTS, you know, just 
take those games, submit them, uh, and start getting some of this data worked up. Nice, yeah, and uh, George is an awesome guy, uh, does amazing work, so I definitely second that shout-out. Um, the last couple of shout-outs I want to do, uh, if you guys have ever been looking for any sort of uh, custom tokens or anything like that, uh, one that I highly, highly recommend is Vampire Creations. You can either find him at uh, vampirecreations.com or uh, on Etsy. Um, I believe is also on Facebook, but uh, he is who I go for all of my acrylic uh, crack. I pretty much uh, gave him a master list of everything of one point or sorry twenty twenty one um, and he just finished uh, all of it. He has sent it in the mail to me, so now i can 't wait for that package i 'll have every influence, every attached card effect every everything you could possibly want as a token uh, for the game, he pretty much has it because I'm kind of OCD like that. I like I like all the custom, nice, shiny things. So um, I have him make me just, just about anything you can think of, pillage tokens, faith tokens, uh, the faithful tokens, um, just everything. I even have uh, once-per-game uh, tokens, you know, so like uh, for Peter Baelish, it, on one side it says unused, once per game unused, and you flip it over and it says once per game used. Um, have a token, like a bigger token that uh, NCU loses all abilities, so when you have an effect that does that, you just put it on the tacti- uh, on that NCU's card. Um, I even have blue order tokens to represent uh, orders that aren't actually orders, so whether it be Varus's orders or uh, the attached cards like um, uh, the North Re- the North Remembers, you know, the, instead of destroyed, you know, now they're beginning of a turn when something dies, you place an order on it to show that it's uh, been activated. Not only that, his at- uh, order tokens are double-sided, so um, when you you can start the game with the order on the tray and then when you use it, you simply flip it over and it says activated. And I like that way better than having to, you know, because for me, visually seeing the order token on the tray tells me, it reminds me that I have an order to use. Because uh, sometimes things happen and you just, oh man, I totally forgot my order, you know, because I have to out of mind. Um, that, and it shows your opponent a little more clear too that you have an order because it, it'll remind them so that way they're not, like, surprised by something, especially, you know, with all the attack, you know, with 2021, a lot of new things. Uh, people haven't played in a while. Uh, just a lot of stuff like that. And I, even though the game kind of encourages, like, a different play where you place the token on them when it's used, I find that this way is a lot more effective and, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, it reminds everyone about the, the order. But, Anyways, with that said, you know, so much uh, amazing tokens, even all the Greyjoy stuff I've had made, um, like uh, mind games for uh, Euron. It's just uh, the same shape as, uh, or the same size as a base. So literally, when you use mind games, you place it on the spot on the tactics board you chose, and then it's a constant reminder for anyone who wanted a zone or that zone that, okay, if you take it, the other person's also going to get that effect if anyone's unfamiliar with mind games effect. But um, 
it's just uh, if anyone loves that sort of stuff, I would definitely go check him out. I definitely don't uh, shout him out as much as I, you know, I should because his work is amazing. He's very quick about it. Uh, I think like the master said, if he wanted every faction, it was like 150 tokens, and he turned around. I mean, I'm not saying that this is going to be how fast it will be for anyone, but he turned around and did it in like a week and a half. Uh, it was amazing. And each token is basically, there's only like two at most of each token. So there's at least uh, like 75 different unique tokens that he made for me. Um, so I would say uh, definitely check him out if you're looking to either upgrade or whatnot for 2021. And then uh, another shout out I want to do, because not a lot of people know about it, and I know Simon. I don't think they're like allowed to promote it, but if anyone is looking to organize a tournament, even if it's just like uh, a smaller type tournament, you know, 12, 20 people or so, uh, or even a big tournament, you know, if you have a convention coming up and you want to reserve space, uh, definitely email organizedplay at cmon.com and contact them for some prize support. They Simon's been amazing at giving out a lot of prize support to people simply for, you know, running events. So I would I would highly recommend uh reaching out to them um for some prize support there and to just try to, you know, you know, the more prize support you can get, the more people you can kind of uh uh get into uh you know to the tournament and just help the game grow. Uh, lastly, uh, the very last thing I want to mention is just just about the Night's Watch uh, and how people have kind of been talking about them. So one thing we always have to remember is we want any criticism we have to be constructive. You know, so if you are frustrated, it's totally understandable. I mean, uh, I have yet to have a game of Night's Watch where uh, my opponent wasn't frustrated. Um, or where I faced Night's Watch and I wasn't frustrated. So I would just say that if you want to post something on one of the pages, just make it constructive. You know, explain your concerns, but then offer uh, solutions and maybe ask for advice on what in the meantime to, to I guess, combat Night's Watch in, in 2021. Um, you know, we don't know what they might end up changing to if they change at all. But, uh, you know, everyone definitely has the right to their opinion. And, you know, I think it is important to express when something is truly unfun. But we we need to remember that we need to do it in a constructive way. Because, I, could, I mean, I don't know how CMON is, but I could tell you that if I was creating a game, I'd probably just ignore people who threw out toxic uh, posts with no real, you know, solution or you know, if it's just trying to dump on a game for something, I mean, I'd be much less likely to listen to it. So especially if you want Simon to kind of take all of our posts or all of our criticisms seriously, one, we have to, we have to show our data. You know, we have to submit like a better report or something uh, to kind of show them how we came to the result. That way they'll know whether or not it was just kind of user error or if it was a legit problem in the faction. Um, and, you know, there, 
they're definitely out to make this game the best it possibly can. You know, it's it's basically their baby. You know, they 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 want it to thrive. They want it to be the best it can be. But uh, we need to make sure that the the input we give them is good input that they're willing to listen to and you know able to uh, what's the word I'm looking for kind of connect you know with us be able to see it from our side of things so that's just kind of something I want to mention because I've seen a lot of posts that have kind of been getting either removed or comments turned off on the main page and I kind of sympathize sympathize with both sides Uh, the fact that you know throwing a a toxic post or one that's not constructive out there is not helping anyone but then again you do need to at least throw out there some your opinion on the matter because if if you have legit reason to be upset uh you know we want to you know i would say we'd want to hear it we want as many people to speak up as possible because you know the uh cmon isn't perfect you know some things are going to be missed so i would just say you know if you feel the urge to to post something just try to you know try to make it in such a way that you know that Simon's going to want to want to read it and be interested in what your thoughts are but come off in in the wrong way they're they're just going to disregard the whole thing the post is going to get turned off and it's really not going to help anyone really uh it's just going to make people mad on all sides even the poster the fact that they can't get their you know their concerns heard uh, so it's just, you know, I know it's a little bit of a rant, but I just wanted to end on that note because I think it's an important one because uh, we really need to, uh, you know, try to be more con- uh, constructive with our criticism and more input uh, so that CMON can kind of start cataloging uh, based on actual information of what we're experiencing. So. And then maybe some solutions, because I know, you know, there's been multiple times where content creators uh, have made a suggestion, and whether or not it was them that made the suggestion that caused it, but, um, you know, that things got changed after something was said by a content creator. I know I was, <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Brett, but I was constantly saying over and over, I was like, Jack and Hagar needs to be five points, needs to be five points if you're going to double up on an already strong effect, you should be paying at least that much, if not more. So, and what do you know, when 2021 dropped, he's five points. Whether or not me saying that changed it, we'll never know. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to kind of give suggestions out there because, you know, you might be like, you know, man, that actually sounds pretty good or that makes sense. Um, but just complaining about it and not giving any any anything to go off of there really isn't uh too much to do about it um with that said i'm kind of done with my big old rant i will give the floor to you one more time brett uh before we sign off for the show um i'm good honestly um i don't have really anything to add um yeah i think i think i've said it um i don't want um I don't want to be taken as being a complainer. Um, so I know my 
my my conversation today was a little bit more blunt probably than what people are used to from me. But uh, <laughs> with that said, you know, it comes comes from a place of love. So, um, yeah, I I think I'm I'm with you. It, it any anything that proves to be an issue, of course, they will write the ship. Um, they always do. So have some faith yep so with that said thank you so much for for brett for coming on you know i appreciate it especially on uh you know one of these you know controversial topics uh that we kind of talk about you know get off our chest and kind of get you know water under the bridge and wait and see uh how things turn up you know i definitely appreciate it um with that said, everybody, next up is Lannisters uh, coming up this Tuesday. We are uh, almost back on schedule. We do need to reschedule one retake of the Free Folk episode, but otherwise uh, we are back uh, back on schedule. Um, uh, Lannisters will probably be a three-parter, but uh, we'll see if we can condense it down to two. Like I said, I, I want to avoid two-hour two hour episodes, so more than likely it will be three. We do have a special guest for, I believe, both, if not all three episodes, uh, but we'll kind of see. Um, uh, you never know. Uh, it's kind of far in the future for some of those episodes. So uh, I want to thank you all for listening in. Um, you know, I appreciate all of you guys tuning in uh, every week. You know, we, we do this for you guys. Um, you know, the best thing you can do for us is share out the show anywhere you can, you know, a bunch of pages, uh, your local shop, if they're kind of looking for content, definitely, uh, you know, let them know that we exist because, uh, you know, you'd be surprised uh, even though we post every week. Some people, they just don't check Facebook that often or whatnot or they just kind of miss it or they'll see it and they'll just kind of, you know, be like, whatever, Um so definitely uh, share it out. That's definitely the best way you can uh, show your support for us. With that said, this is Small Council Radio, and it is dismissed.